Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying the Navi, the Prophet Amos, Amos, chapter 6. And this is Saul Weinreb, the host of your podcast. In chapter 5, we heard the strong rebuke of Amos against the uh, corrupt and oppressive practices of the nation of Israel um, uh, the northern kingdom primarily, but also the southern kingdom, Judah, and the fact that um, it is still possible, almost said, for us to um, turn around and come back to God through repentance, through uh, recognizing what was wrong, and through seeking out good, through loving good, through setting up a society that it was just and kind. We're going to continue with that theme in chapter 6, because it is the basic theme of the entire book of Amos. However, in chapter 6, we are going to touch upon another concept, which also, again, is repeated often throughout the prophets, throughout the later prophets. Uh, we had it significantly when we studied Isaiah together, and that is the concept of the nation of Israel uh, and in this, I mean the entire congregation of the sons of Yaakov. So that would be the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom, and the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom, as a leader among the nations to ideally live a, um, a life of virtue, a life of tzedek and mishpat, to be an example for the rest of the world. And that the idea that the people of, of Israel to the extent that they live that ideal, that makes them, that, that they're fulfilling their responsibilities, that makes them special in the sense that now they have something, they have, there's a reason why God should, God should um, help, there's a reason why God should give the people of Israel the prosperity that it needs in order to continue fulfilling this holy mission of bringing the message of God, the message of justice throughout the world. And to the extent that the people of Israel live just like everyone else, God will then say, well, if that's the case, if you're going to live and practice uh, uh, lifestyles of oppression and, 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 um, and dishonesty and so on, uh, and idol worship and arrogance, just like everyone else, to that extent, I have no reason to preserve you. And I will simply leave you to the fate of the other nations. Let us look at the first verse, chapter 6, verse 1, and uh, we're going to see this, this theme uh, build itself out. Hoi, wo hasha'ananim bitzion, those of you that live in, in peace and tranquility in Zion. So here we have Amos directing his attention to Zion, which is the capital of the southern kingdom, Judah. Vihabotchim bihar shomron, and those of you that live in, 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 uh, um, in confidence, uh, you know, you feel secure in the mountain of Samaria, of Shomron, which is the capital of the northern kingdom, Israel. Nikuvei reshit hagoyim. You guys are the, the nikuvim, the ones that are noted, the ones that are mentioned, the ones that are listed as, as the leaders in that first of nations, or the leading nation. Here we have the role of, of Israel as the leading nation um, in its role of bringing 
and, and showing the way to the world of how to worship God. And to them, to those leaders, the entire house of Israel comes to for guidance, for leadership, to, to see how to live, how to practice, and so on. Now, the second verse says, It tells them to go look at the other nations. Go to Kalnei. Uru and see, check them out. Ulachumisham and then go travel from Kalnei to Hamat Rabbah to um to the great city of Hamat. Uradu Gat Plishtim and then go down and check out Gat, the city of Gat, which is a Philistine city. Hatovim Minhamam Lahota Ela, are you any better than those nations? Imrav Givulam Migvochem, or do they if they have larger amounts of land, do they have greater boundaries than you do? Now, what is the what is the Navi, what is the prophet telling us when he says that 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 leaders should go check out the other nations? So there's um I'm gonna mention two of the commentaries um uh and and then I'm gonna explain a little bit more in detail my own approach to this. Rashi understands that um, that this is uh, part of a rebuke of the people where God is telling the people through his prophet, you know, you chose to live a life of avodazara, of idol worship, a life of arrogance, a life of worshiping your own strength, your own greatness, right? Um, and therefore God is telling them, go check out those other nations do they have more land than you do? Is their land greater than yours? In other words, um, why did you reject me? Did I give you something bad? Did I not treat you well? So this is one way of looking at this 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 uh, this verse. Another way, um, the Malbim has a very different understanding and a very different approach, and basically he says we the the predicted the the prophecy of Amos is uh, that uh, is the destruction that's coming to the northern kingdom in the form of the assault of Assyria of Ashur uh, which is going to come several uh, you know several generations after Amos's prophecies are being said now Assyria attacked you know this is in the future now but when it happened they attacked Israel first they destroyed Israel before these other nations and what he's saying is um is there a reason why God should pour out his wrath, so to speak, on the northern kingdom of Israel by allowing Assyria to attack them and destroy them more than the other nations? Is it because these other nations are somehow, you know, because what's going to happen is, is the people will be exiled. They're going to go run to Kalnei because it's more at peace because Ashur didn't attack there yet. And then when Ashur attacks Kalnei, they'll go run to Hamat and so on. Now, why would God attack Israel first are they are these other countries more powerful is there a reason why Asher wanted to avoid them no rather it must be because God is punishing the the the, the people for their for their misdeeds um, I think both of these understandings and most of the commentaries uh, go generally along the approach of Rashi here that I mentioned first but I think both of these understandings miss the point that I was uh, pointing out at, at during when I was teaching just now the first and second verses of this chapter. The idea here is, is that Amos is calling the people 
the Reshit HaGoyim. You are the first of the nations. You have an example to set. And that example is one that we, in which you are supposed to live in a different manner, by a different set of principles and ideas and ideals than the other nations that surround you. So, so what God is telling these people is, as the Nukuvei Reshit HaGoyim, is that that um go look around to these other nations. Are you any better than them? Because I expect you to be better than them. And I'm asking you, are you better than them? And then God says, Are there do they have more property than you? Do they have is there a reason why you're following them their ways? Are they somehow having somehow better? Remember, Amos is just speaking in a time of of the Jeroboam the second, Yeravan Ben Yosh, who was the most was the high point of the northern kingdom. So the northern kingdom was living well. They were doing fine. So what reason? So so God is saying is is um. You have everything you need. You have the resources that you need. Are you using them properly? Are you living better than them? Because if you're not, then there's no purpose. There's no point in me treating you any different than any other nation. You don't need to be, and you shouldn't be the Reshitagoyim. And let's continue on verse 3. And as we continue seeing the context, it'll come out more and more why I I am reading it this way. Um, So the idea being, do you really think I'm going to treat you special? Right? Yet, despite the fact that I gave you everything you need, and despite the fact that you are the Reshit HaGoyim, and you have the Torah, you have the teachings of God, but still, you ignore the fact that evil will one day come to you. You ignore the fact that you may one day get punished for your lifestyle. And what do you do when you sit down in your councils in these capital cities that we mentioned before in verse 1, all you leaders, you set up a sheves, a, a convention, uh, a group of Hamas, which is based on, on, on oppression. Hamas means uh, people take advantage of others by force. People take advantage of others and take people, other people's property by force and by coercion. You set up a system of unfairness. You become, be, instead of using your great resources that I give you and the knowledge and the teachings that I give you to set up an, an example, a good example for everyone, you do the opposite. And you pretend that punishment can't come to you. You live in arrogance as if, oh, now I'm so strong. And re- without recognizing that it would be coming from God, you, you um, pretend that it's your own strength that, that brought you what you have. Hashochvim, and, and then what kind of life do you live? You live a life of luxury. Hashochvim amitoshen, lying on beds made of ivory. Usruchim alarsosam, and and you live a uh, just a disgusting lifestyle on your couches or your beds. Yochlim karim mitzon, and you eat, and you have flocks of sheep from which you take nice fat sheep to eat. Vaagolim mitoch marbeik, and you eat calves. For that that come out of the marbek, the place where the calves and the cows live, you just you just you're living this luxurious lifestyle, eating fancy, high quality meat while you're on your fancy beds, and and what do you do? You pretend to to you pretend to um, worship me, as we saw before in the last chapter, 
how we, the people would come to, to God and sing, sing before God, pretend that they are somehow acting spiritually. But God says, that's not what I want. I don't want the songs. I want justice. I want righteousness. Again, Amos is making the same point. Ha-portim al pi he says in verse 5. The people that you um, that you play uh, songs you, you, on the... On, on the novel, which is a lute, which is a, an instrument, Kedavid, like King David used to, and you think you're just like, your songs are like his songs, that just like his songs were praising God, so are yours, and you think that somehow this is what God wants. In other words, you're living a lifestyle of oppression. You're living a lifestyle of wealth and grandeur uh, with wealth that you obtained through means of oppression. And then you come and sing to me, this is the opposite of what David was like. And then you drink from the bowls of wine, and you uh, smear yourselves or anoint yourselves with, with the best high-quality oils. But you're not even thinking, you're not concerned about the destruction of the people of Yosef. The people of Yosef is a reference to the northern kingdom. You're not thinking of the fact that destruction will come. You're making pretend that everything is all hunky-dory because you can, everything is all fine because you're singing. L'chein, therefore, because this is the lifestyle you chose, Ata now yiglu barosh kolim. You who are supposed to be the racist goyim, the reishit goyim, are now the rosh golim, a play on words. You're now will be the first of the nations to be exiled, and no more will you be um, sitting uh, in 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 the uh, and 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 pleasuring yourselves in the uh, the the beds the sruchim the beds of disgusting lifestyle the beds of immorality those will all end those will all go away. So uh, as we continue to move to verse 8 here. Nishpa Adonai Elohim B'Nafsho. God swears by his by himself or by his soul, so to speak. Obviously, God doesn't have a soul, but it's a, um, a reference. Neum Adonai. This is what says God, Elohim, the God of all the hosts, the God of the entire universe. Mito'ev Anochi. I find it disgusting at Ga'on Yaakov. Now, Ga'on means many things that Gaon Yaakov, the greatness of Yaakov, the greatness of Jacob. I do believe that over here, Gaon Yaakov means the arrogance and pride of Yaakov. And I'll give a reference to um, in Ishayahu, uh, chapter 13, Isaiah 13, verse 11, and in Isaiah 14, verse 11, we have an example, both of those places where, where this term, Gaon, refers to the people's arrogance. And God is saying, I find disgusting at Gaon Yaakov, the arrogance of Jacob. The Arminosov Sonesi and his his um his fortifications or his castles or fortresses, I hate the Hiskarti Ir Umaloa and I will um I will uh, take away I will um uh, take away from him his cities and everything that's within it. So says God. This is the um, <laughs> God saying, I detest this arrogance. I detest the way they chose to live. Um, instead of loving the people as the racist guy am, God detests the lifestyle which they chose. 
and the destruction will be so terrible that if after the the um, destruction that I'm predicting, the destruction of the uh, um, you know of the oncoming and attacking nations, the destruction of the plagues, the destructions of the locusts, all the things that has been predicted these last few chapters by Amos, even if ten people are left in a home. They will end up dying. In other words, they run to a home to try to save themselves and hide themselves. They won't make it. People will try to hide, try to find refuge, but they won't make it. And then uh, someone, uh, a family member will come check on the house to see how people are doing in there, whether they survived or not. And um, this is a difficult word to translate, but could mean either a... Um, either a, a another type of relative um or it could mean uh like, like another or, or or it could also mean someone who is coming to um to burn incense there's various ways of understanding this so a person that's living in this home of refugees comes comes to help remove the bodies from the home in order to try to bury them and he finds someone who is alive in the home and he says to the person he says is there anyone else alive in there with you this is portraying a scene of, of after the destruction someone going from home to home of his, of his family of his relatives to try to find who's left and he finds one person who's left and he says, Office, is there anyone there? He says, No, Office, there is no one left. And then he says, Hus, keep quiet. Because I do not want that anyone should hear the name of God. These words are also a little challenging to translate. What does this mean, Hus? So Rashi and Radak understand this in past tense that he's saying, shh, quiet, don't say anything, because the punishment came to us because we refused to mention the name of God. Uh, um, however, the Ebenezer has a different shot, a different explanation, which I think is a little more, um, which somehow, which to me seems to read much better. And that is, is that despite the terrible destruction, and despite the fact that we've come to this point of hor horror, this point of terrible, terrible um, death, and destruction the person one person who survived in a home full of the bodies of his of his relatives and the other refugees that he ran with right still says lola haskir he still says be quiet because why why does he say be quiet because he refuses to still mention the name of god by this point at this point you'd think that Someone might be asking questions and saying, God, why did you allow such punishment to, to befall us? God, how did you... <clears throat> Some conversation with God should be taking place by this point. But at this point, the people are so ingrained in their ways and so ingrained in their inability to recognize God in anything that even at this point, they still will say, Shah, quiet, I don't want to mention God. I don't want to talk about Him. Because, and the reason why I like the Ebenezer's reading is because it fits very well with the next verse, chapter, verse 11. Um, because it is God that commanded that this should happen. And it is God who commanded that the great houses should be smashed to pieces. 
and the small wooden homes would be reduced to splinters because um and and but nonetheless despite all of this they refused to do this this verse is a very interesting one again emphasizing Amos's central message is the reason for the the problem the main issue which we're about to mention again but the idea here is um, uh, is the change in, in nature. The, it, by nature, a horse cannot run on a hard rock, on through through a hard rock over here. It doesn't mean so much the surface of rock, but it means like a rocky mountainous area. A horse cannot run. It has to walk carefully through the area. Can you plow up such an area which, which is built up with rocks, with cattle? No, you can't. It's just not the nature of things. It's not how things work. But in the same way that you also turned nature upside down, when you set up a society, a society in order to last, in order to live, and we had this in Amo several times, it's simply reading the signs. It's simply a way of nature. This is how the world works. In order for society to last and live, proper justice needs to exist. Proper tzedakah, righteousness, people need to be able to work together with others. The system needs to work for everyone. And if it doesn't, it will be destroyed. Just like by nature, one cannot take cattle and plow a field full of, of rocky mountains and formations. And the same way, when you take a justice, you have taken justice and made it into a... a um, a poisonous weed. In other words, you rejected justice from your society like people reject a poisonous weed. And you and the fruits of righteousness, which are a nation that can last, that can live, that can prosper, that's the fruits of righteousness. Instead of that, you have taken it and made it into like a type a, a dis, disgusting type of 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 plant that that's that 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 rots, a rotted plant. And, and like people push that aside. Because you set up a society like that, of necessity, your society will end, will not work. Hasmechim, your happiness, Lilodovar, was about things that were nothing. You were sitting on those, those beds and drinking that wine and eating that great food and living in this lap of luxury, being happy about what? And when you were singing supposedly to God, it was not about God, it was about nothing. It was about nothing. It was about your own strength, your own arrogance. It was nothing. That's fleeting. That's going to be gone. Omrim, because you were saying, Hello, Buchazkenu, it is our strength, that we had got our horns. Karnayim also can be uh, maybe a place that we conquered this place. But because remember, they're living at the time of, of Jeroboam II, who had conquered much land and, and expanded the boundaries of the northern kingdom. You are sitting there thinking that it's in our strength. That's why you're being happy. And that's a load of our, that's nothing. That's fleeting. That's zero. That's going to go away when God takes it away. And therefore, because you're living this way, because now I am going to place upon you, uh, I'm going to come back at you. I'm going to raise against you the house of Israel. I am, so says God, the Lord of the universe, Guy, a nation, um, which we know down the road is going to be the nation of Assyria, and they will, they will destroy you, they will crush you, 
through all of your boundaries from from the Levo um, Hamas, the pass of Hamat, all the way to the river of of Arava, that destruction will come because you chose the path of arrogance because you took justice and righteousness, mishpat and staka, and treated it like a weed, like a worm, and took it out of your society. Thank you so much for studying Amos chapter 6. Looking forward to studying Amos chapter 7 together.